0: The following audio content is a talk given at The Inn, a college ministry of University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, theinnseattle.org. If this is your first time, welcome. Glad you're here. Uh, Please come introduce yourself afterward. I'd love to meet you. Um, I'm actually surprised that there's so many people here tonight, because I heard this weekend that this week and next week are actually the two most traveled weeks of the summer, uh, I, don't, I didn't do any fact-checking on that, but it was a pastor that said it, so I'm assuming he was telling the truth. <laughs> um, could be wrong. I don't know. But uh, I know I've been doing some traveling. Uh, I Actually, I'm from Spokane, and I just was back over there this weekend because my brother and his wife just had their second child. I'm an uncle twice to little Harper Marie. Um, she's a week and a day old now. And so we got to go back and meet her, and that was a ton of fun. Um, If you guys are anything like me, I never really liked kids, especially like from zero to about three. Like, I like kids when they're old enough to talk and express what they want in words, and hopefully are potty trained and all of that good stuff. Uh, From about zero to three, I just don't know what to do with them. I'm kind of like, what do you want? You're crying. I don't know what to do. And I don't want to change your diaper and all this good stuff. So this is kind of my perception of kids up until about a year and a half ago when my nephew was born. Uh, And uh, with him, his name's Enzo, pretty sweet name. Uh, And then Harper, I've gotten a lot more familiar and comfortable with kids, and uh, uh, they're starting to grow on me a little bit. And actually, on Sunday, history in the making, I changed my first diaper ever. Right? That's pretty pathetic. I'm 24 years old. I should have changed it to by now. Um, so anyway, that's just a little bit about me and where I'm at in life. Uh, it was, has nothing to do with tonight, but I uh, figured I'd let you guys in on a little celebration, right? Uh, so if this is your, uh, not your first time, you know we've been doing a series, uh, started last week, on, uh, we're calling it Mythbusters. And uh, you've probably seen the show. If not, I recommend it. It's awesome. They just spend their lives trying to figure out if certain things are true or not. And uh, they do all these cool experiments. Uh, the reason we're calling this series Mythbusters is we're we are we're looking at different aspects of the Christian faith, uh, things that you and I, if, if you've been at a church before, you've probably encountered in some way. Uh, last week, we started the series off by looking at prayer and kind of examining some of the myths that come with prayer. A lot of us know what prayer is, but there's also a lot of preconceived notions about how to pray or what to pray or... What not to pray, and Kaylee led us through a really great discussion on breaking through some of those myths and understanding a little bit more of what prayer really is uh, this tonight we're going to talk a little bit more on this series, but tonight we're going to focus on worship um, and the reason we we're picking these uh, topics, prayer worship and next week's scripture uh, are that they're, they're things that all of us, like I said are familiar with, but um, I don't think we all really grasp what they are like i don't I don't think I know fully what worship is. I think I have associations of what worship is, meaning I think of the word worship and I think, oh, singing songs, that is a—that is worship, which is true, but it doesn't grab the full picture. And so we're kind of looking at what, what are the myths, what are the misconceptions that we have around these very important parts of our faith, these spiritual disciplines, um, and how can we have a better understanding of them? So... Uh, before we get started, I, I want to go ahead and just pray really quick and ask God to join us this evening. God, thank you for tonight. Thank you for bringing us uh, all here. And um, thank you for the opportunity to, to talk about worship and hopefully learn a little bit more about who you are and um, who we are to be uh, in relationship with you. So um, meet us here tonight and bless this time. In me we pray. Amen. Okay, so I'm going to start by reading the text that I want to talk out of. And it's uh, in John 4. If you have your Bible, feel free to read read along, but there's really no point because it's right there, so you can just read along on the screen. Um, But here's what this says. So a little bit of background: Jesus has been traveling. Um, He's at a well right now, and he's having a conversation with a Samaritan woman. This is a little bit weird for a lot of reasons um, in that culture, mostly um, that men and women didn't really like just kind of hang out and chat with each other. That wasn't really something that people did, much less a Jewish man with a Samaritan woman. There was not a lot of uh, friendship between these two different uh, groups of people. And so um, this conversation is a lot longer than this excerpt, but um, a lot of it is spent with kind of Jesus explaining who he is to this woman in different ways. And um, she's she's the whole time kind of like, whoa, Like, so why are you talking to me? You're a man, I'm a woman, you're Jewish, I'm Samaritan, all this stuff. So there's a lot of this kind of cultural interaction going on. Um, but it gets to this point where... Jesus is kind of, he's revealing a lot of himself and he's, 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 he knows more about this woman than he should because he's God, right? It's, it's kind of a funny interaction. I encourage you to read it a little bit more. But it gets to this point in the conversation where she's talking about this, the idea of worship. And she says, you know, my people, the Samaritans say, I have to worship on this mountain while the Jewish people say it's all about worshiping on that mountain in Jerusalem. And so, Jesus, um, he responds by saying a few things, and then he gets to this. And he says, Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. Uh, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. So I thought this was a really, um, I don't know, relevant text to tonight. Uh, but I think, like I said, we have to back up a little bit and talk a little bit more. Um, and understanding the language that Jesus is using. Um, because in order to, to really get what he's saying, I think we have to, we have to really know what we're, what we're even talking about. So um, if you've been here before, you know this summer we're doing the in in a little bit different style, where we ask you some questions and you talk amongst yourselves, or you reflect individually. Uh, either one is fine. If you're more introverted, that's great. But uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pose a question to you, and I want you to take some time to reflect on it. You can do that, like I said, individually or with someone and I'll call us back to, um, to this. But here's my first question for tonight. Before we get into anything else, I want us to, what is worship? Talk about, think about it. What's the de- how would you define worship? Um, that's going to guide our conversation. So take a few minutes. All right. Let's bring it back in really quick. I love the discussion. I'm sure that there are uh, plenty of great definitions out there, and I would love to have some time to share them, but we don't have that time. So here's, here's what I found. I'm going to share with a couple, two definitions that I came across. Uh, the first thing I did was I, looked, I just looked it up in the dictionary, and I said, what is worship? And it says, the feeling or expression of reverence and adoration for a deity, which, of course, is this broad, general thing that just doesn't quite, it's not what we're talking about tonight. I'm not talking about just worshiping a general deity. I'm talking about worshiping God, the living God, the one that uh, came down in the form of Jesus Christ and died for us, right? There's a little bit more to it than the feeling or expression of reverence. So as I was trying to figure this out, I was talking with Ryan. He mentioned the name uh, Marva Dawn. I have not read a single thing by Marva Dawn, so I'm not an expert on her, but she has written some really great stuff about worship. Um, And what I came across was really, I think, uh, fascinating and really lends itself to what we're talking about tonight. So she says this, worship is the submission of all our nature to God. It is the quickening of the conscience by his holiness, the nourishment of the mind with his truth, the purifying of imagination by his beauty, the opening of the heart to his love, the surrender of will to his purpose, and all of this gathered up in adoration." The most selfless emotion of which our nature is capable. Take a second and read that one more time. It's pretty big. <laughs> Conscience, mind, imagination, heart, will. Um, all things that make us who we are, right? That's what that's what constitutes our being. Um, I think this gets at a little bit more the idea that I that I'm thinking of. And and here's what I gather, right? If I had to summarize this definition, this is what I would say, is that worship is essentially our submission to God. It is us coming to God and saying, God, here I am, as I am. I'm here to to try and do something for you. And it is an attempt to be selfless. So submission to God, and it's, it's our best effort to be selfless. That is what worship is which is interesting because the first myth that I want to talk about tonight that I, I know is true in my own life and I think is true in general um, is the myth that worship is about me. Now I know that no one in this room would say, oh yeah, worship's about me, right? No one, no one worships themselves. No one stands up and goes, no, worship me, don't worship God, right? We all know this, but I really don't think we, we act like it. And here's why. Um, you might be sitting here thinking, I don't do that. Well, before you write it off, um, I think a way to understand how we think about worship is to look at how we approach a, wor- a worship service, a, like, uh, a.k.a. a Sunday service or a Tuesday night here at the inn. Um, I think how we treat those is indicative of how we view worship in general. So here's a question. How many times have you left a worship service, a Sunday morning or a Tuesday night, and thought, I didn't really get much out of that? You don't have to answer. it. It's rhetorical. But I know I've done that, and I would guess that everyone in this room has done that at some point, right? It's it's just kind of our nature. What I didn't really get anything out of that. It didn't do much for me. Um, to me, that's a symptom that we've made worship about ourselves. If that's how we're evaluating it, then somewhere along the line, it's become more about me. Uh, this same author, Marva Dawn. Um, I'm I'm told that. Uh, she has said something along the lines, and this is a paraphrase, that the only person who is allowed to walk out of a worship service and say, I didn't get anything out of that, is God. Because if the point of worship is to submit us to God and to try and be selfless towards God, to give Him something, um, then really the only person who has a right to be disappointed by that effort is God. If we're disappointed by our own efforts, then we're needing to try harder, right? Right? So why do, we, why do we approach worship this way? I'm assuming most of us have been there at some point. We've used this excuse of, I didn't get anything out of that, to justify not going back to something or to change a church or to just not engage. Why do we do that? Uh, I think there's two big reasons. One is that we live in a consumer culture. And we spend 95% of our week asking the question, what does this do for me? What do I have to gain from this or that? What is this thing offering me that anything else is not? right? And it's, it's really hard to switch that mentality when we walk into a church or we engage in a worship service of some kind. The very nature of worship, as I've been saying, is it's not about me or what I get. It's about God and what I give. And that's not our normal mindset. And to make things harder... Um, this mindset can even permeate into Christian culture and churches. And in an effort to be more open and seeker-friendly, churches become and look a lot like the normal places we spend our time, like the mall. It can become this thing where we're we're going in, going, okay, I like this. I'll take some of that. Yeah, I'll take. I'll, I like that guy's preaching style, but I want this one's music, and I'm going to try and right. We start shopping <laughs> and consuming these things versus approaching them from a standpoint of, I just want to give. I just want to not think about myself for a little bit. And and in so doing, even Christian culture can fail to do its job of, of teaching us how to be different, teaching us how to go against the grain in that manner. The second reason I think we approach worship this way is that um, Sunday mornings and even Tuesday nights, can all too often, and this goes for myself too, it can all too often be the one time a week that I'm engaging with God. Um, and so I come into these services craving some individual time, some one-on-one time with God. But the problem is, I'm stepping into a corporate worship setting. I'm stepping into a place where it's not about me having time with God, it's about us having time with God. right? And so because of that, my, my expectations, my hopes are not met. Um, this kind of, it reminds me of a time I was at uh, Dairy Queen. So I was, okay, I was hanging out with some friends, right? Stick with me for a second. <laughs> hanging out with some friends, looking to get some dessert. One of my friends is uh, lactose intolerant. Can't have ice cream, milk, that kind of stuff, right? And uh, we're driving around, and there's not a lot of Dairy Queens, so we see one, and I'm like, oh, let's go eat some Dairy Queen. And everyone goes, we're not really thinking of this person, unfortunately, we're bad friends. Um, but we go in, we all order, right? I'm getting a, a blizzard, which by the way, the uh, s'mores blizzard right now, fantastic. <laughs> One of the best things you'll ever eat. Uh, I'm up there ordering, right? And then this person gets up to the, to the register and goes, do you guys have anything dairy-free? And the guy at the register, he's like 19, we're like some summer job, he just doesn't care. He's like, well we are called Dairy Queen. <laughs> and we, I was standing there and I heard him say that and I just started laughing. But of course the person is like, well, I'm just tired of going to places and them not having a dairy-free option. And it was just through this moment of, what did you expect when you walked into Dairy Queen? You know, it's like, all right. And as ridiculous as that is, right? I think this is, the monta- this is what happens to us with corporate worship too often. We come in and we say, I want it my way. Um, but it's just the simple fact is that that's not what these services are designed to be. I'm not trying to say that wanting that individual worship time is a bad thing at all. I think it's a great thing. I think each of us is designed and, and, and wired in such a way that we crave that time with God. We crave that one-on-one. He's given us this, I would say, our soul is, is God-given, and we are made to desire the things we desire. And those desires are good. Um, they can be, obviously, used for bad things, but I think each of us is made to want that individual time. But that's not what we get here. Here we get the time together. The purpose of gathering like this is to encourage one another and remember that we are in community in our efforts to be in relationship with God. It's kind of a celebration of what we've been doing, hopefully, the rest of the week. So, I bring bring this up because, like I said, I think the way that we approach worship services is often an indication of how we view uh, worship in general. And I think the first thing we need to understand about worship tonight is that uh, it's it's not about me and what I get. It's It's that worship, corporate worship, individual worship, is our chance to respond to God for what he has done for us. It's our chance to give something back. Of course, we're never going to be able to return everything that God has given us, right? It's, it's not going to happen, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't try. And I think that's the opportunity, the first thing we have, the first opportunity that we have in worship. So here's a question for you guys to, to think about. How do you find yourself consuming worship? Meaning, how do you find yourself being uh, kind of shopping in worship and, and looking for the things that you get versus the things that you give. And what would it take for you to switch that mindset? Is it a simple thing of remembering, oh, okay, now I switch? Or what do you think it's going to take when, to change that mindset when you enter into a worship setting or a worship service? Take a few minutes. Talk. All right. Bring it, bring it back. Pump the brakes. Love it. Okay, so uh, as always, there's certainly not enough time to really dive in like I wish we could on these questions, but uh, write some stuff down, think about it later, talk about it later, continue the conversation after the end sometime. Okay, the second myth that I want to talk about tonight when it comes to worship... Um, is, is this. Worship is singing songs in church, right? <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's kind of the common mindset of, oh, we're going to worship, so where's the guitar, right? Um, which isn't a bad thing. I'm not saying that that's wrong, but here's the problem. Here's why I don't like this myth, and, and I think this is true. I'd love to hear your thoughts. The problem with this is that, one, it reduces worship to songs, which like I said are not a bad thing they are a form of worship they can be um, but they don't they're by no means the whole picture of worship right we saw that definition it's a lot bigger than just songs and two it implies that there's a certain set of rules there's a legality of location right that it in order to worship I have to be in church which is not true so here's what I want to do I want to go back to the text really quick and I want to kind of Talk about these things in, in, in two parts. The first part is really easy. Uh, I don't think I have this part in the text, but this is John 4:21. Uh, and Jesus says, "Believe me, woman, he's talking to the, the woman at the, at the well. He says, "The time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem." And what I think he's getting at there is, is this reality that there's, there's not a location that you have to be in to worship. That was, in a lot of ways, the point of what Jesus did. He got rid of those requirements and allowed us into a place of worship wherever we are. I would like to say that he also meant that it doesn't matter how you worship, that you can worship wherever and however you want. But I, uh, I think the rest of this text that we already saw implies that there actually is a certain standard um, to what constitutes right worship. There is a metric um, that we can use to figure out, is this worship or not? Um, and that comes in in the, in the text we already read. It says, I'll read it again. It says, yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. This usage of the word must tells me that there's There is a a line at which something is or is not worship. And Jesus is saying it's this act of worshiping in spirit and truth. So, here's here's what I came to find. And this is, is, um, I thought this was pretty cool. I didn't realize this. But this text has the spirit and truth in little t. Um, I was reading through a lot of commentaries on this. And what I found was that most interpretations actually just say spirit with a little s and truth with a little t. Um, there's some really smart people they're called theologians who have, st- <laughs> have studied this text a little bit and they, there's a, actually a pretty common agreement or a pretty wide agreement that what Jesus is saying here the original language or the intent was the spirit and the truth capital S, capital T as in the Holy Spirit and the truth which is Jesus Christ he called himself the way, the truth, and the life Right. so he's referring to something specific here so what he's saying is to worship God. We, worship, we, and we know that the, the act of worship is to submit ourselves to God. We submit ourselves to God in the spirit and in the truth. Okay, so let that sink in for a second. I think this, I think this has two meanings. This means two things for your life right now. Um, the first thing is this. I think more than anything else, um, or equally with something else, we'll get there in a second, Jesus is hes implying something big here. He's implying that um, the only way that you and I are even capable of worshiping or even dare to approach God in an attempt to worship is because of what the Spirit and the truth, Jesus Christ, have done for us. Jesus died so that our sins would no longer keep us from relationship with God. And the Holy Spirit is now our guide as to how we should be in that relationship. Without them, we have no chance. And I think that's one of the things Jesus is getting at here. He's saying you can't worship without these two things. It's impossible for you to do so. Which is great news because we get these things freely. So we're okay here. (laughs) We don't have to worry. We don't have to go, oh, wait, am I doing this right? We're in on that one. Okay? But to really worship requires us to accept this reality. It's there, it's waiting, it's been offered. Now we need to respond. And it just requires you to accept this, believe it, trust it, live it, right? Um, But if we don't, we can never worship as God desires. That's who God seeks, those who worship in spirit and truth. It's kind of a hard reality. But I think, like I said, it's good news actually. The second thing that this really means um, is that to really worship, to really submit ourselves, is to accept, like I said, accept this truth that without the Spirit and without Jesus, we can do nothing. We are not capable of this. Um, And that means to allow the Spirit to guide our lives and to allow for Jesus' example to be our guide, guidance, our example. Um, and to try and live as he lived, right? I mean, if we accept that Jesus was who he says he was, and we accept that the Holy Spirit is what Jesus told us it was, then that requires our submission to them as well. They are God. It's the same thing. So to me, this implies that uh, worship is obviously about a lot more than singing songs. Um, When you look at the life of Jesus, if we're to try and emulate Jesus... If you look at Jesus in the Gospels, does he just go around singing songs? No, he does not go around just singing songs. (laughs) Right? Uh, I'm sure he sang at some point. I'm sure he was in, you know, synagogue reciting scripture and maybe singing some songs. I'm not saying he didn't do that. But we don't get a lot of that. We get way more of the rest of his life. We get more of the service, the help, the love, the relationships, the teaching, the... um, the sorrow, the joy—we uh, we see a life that was lived in full, in an effort to serve God and to serve the people around him. We know also that uh, in Galatians five twenty two, the Spirit of God is is outlined for us—the fruit of that Spirit, meaning that when this Spirit is present, these things are also present, um, and that those characteristics are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. Wherever the Spirit of God is, these things are also present. Thus, if we are living in the Spirit of God, those things are present in us. Okay? So what does this look like? Right? Um, There's a lot of ways. I think there's a lot of ways we worship. Um, I think it can be done with our stewardship, for example. Um, The way that we give our time, our energy, our money... um, These these can can be acts of worship. Um, They can exhibit love. They can exhibit a peace. They can exhibit a kindness and a faithfulness. We can do this through relationships. You can do this with um, strangers. You can let someone cut in front of you at the grocery store. There's a mom there. She's got two kids, a bunch of groceries. You have one thing. She's in a rush. She's having a hard time. Give her a hand and let her go in front of you. You're going for a parking spot. You see that there's an older gentleman or an older woman trying to park. Bypass the one next to the door and let them have it. You're walking out of class. Someone's walking in. Hold the door. Smile. Don't buy into the Seattle freeze. <laughs> right? This, it's possible to do this with people you don't know. I would say, uh, for me, one of the best ways that I engage uh, in, in worship is, is in relationship with my wife. Um, Every day I get up, and, and here's, here's, here's where I encounter this idea that there is a standard to what constitutes worship or not. Simply being married doesn't mean I'm worshiping God. I can choose to be a terrible husband, and that's not worship. That's not good. I don't think that's what God wants me to do. When I choose to be loving and joyful and share peace and share kindness and share goodness with my wife and be faithful to her, I think that can count as worship. It's a conscious effort to worship. It's not just doing whatever feels right to you. So that's why I say that I don't think Jesus is just giving you permission to do whatever you want and call it worship. Um, The other thing to remember is that it's not about you, right? So in these efforts to live in the fruit of the Spirit, or live as Jesus lived, it's not about experiencing these things for yourself it's not about i need to feel loved i need to feel peace i need to feel kindness right it's about sharing these things and giving them away that is what worship is some of you may have heard the saying that finding your career is about figuring out where your skills and passions line up with the great needs of the world right anybody has ever heard that as far as what do i want to do with my life that's how you figure that out apparently Good luck. <laughs> um, I think similarly, worship is about figuring out, it's about finding that place, it's about making the choice, striving to align your soul, your life, with the nature of God's spirit. We know what that is. We know what God's spirit is. It's in, it's in the Scripture. The decision is, do we want to align our, our lives to look the same or not? I think if, if we do that, that is, that is true worship. That's living out worship. So here's my third question How can you better reflect the Spirit of God in the places that you are right now? All right, let's bring it back. I'm going to close this up. Come on in. Bring it in. Wrap it up. Need one of those um, Chappelle show things. Anybody know what I'm talking about? The wrap it up box. Cool. All right. Here's, here's, here's what I want to say in closing. Uh, here's my hope. The next time any of us walk into a church service or engage in a time of individual worship, um, that we approach that time with the mindset of, what do I have to give? Um, And we spend some time reflecting on, what do you have to give? Uh, And and the other thing is that we start to see our lives, our day-to-day pursuits, work, relationships, fun, everything, as an attempt, as a potential opportunity for worship. And we start making the decision to live those things in an act of worship. Uh, if you are looking for a place to start, if you're sitting there going, great, I want to do this, but I don't know where, I don't know how. Um, here's my thought, if I had to give a how-to. Um, I would say start, start by reading Galatians 5.22. Get an understanding of, of who and what the Spirit of God is. And, and commit that to memory. And then as you go through your life... Look at the different situations you find yourself in, the actions you find yourself doing, and ask yourself, does this reflect that spirit or not? If it does, good job. If not, make a change. And I think the best place to start with that is in relationships. The relationships that you already have, that you already spend the most time in. It could be family, it could be best friend, it could be boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever it is. That's a great place to start. Uh, Above all, I just I want to encourage you. Remember that this takes practice, that it's not going to be something you just get, but that's okay. Uh, A great person once said that uh, failure isn't fatal; it's directional. So remember that. That was Janie, by the way. (laughs) All right, let me pray for us really quick. God, thank you for tonight. Thanks for the opportunity to meet with you and um, I don't know, figure out a little bit more of what it means to worship, to worship you um God help us to help us to be able to, to snap out of the um, the consumer mindset once in a while to uh, think more about what we can give and what we have to offer than what it is we stand to gain or what we what we need to get from something um, God help us to not reduce worship to uh, just simply singing songs or even even just going to church, God, that worship would be something we do uh, every day, that it would be a choice we make uh, in the morning, in the afternoon, and in the evening, God, to to live out uh, your spirit amongst our families, our friends, and the strangers around us. Uh, thank you that you you do uh, appreciate and you reward effort and not just um, results. So be with us, God. In your name we pray. Amen.